welcome to the Amnesia Story Podcast. That whistle means it's kids time! Eh, okay, it's not really for kids. Anyway, here it is. It's called Dog Dad! The last thing William remembered was hydroplaning out of control at the base of the hill, through the red light, and into the intersection. His dog, Randolph, had been in the passenger seat next to him. And the last thing William had time to think and do was to grab Randolph by the collar, jerk his head back into the car from the open window, and to press his beloved dog's body close to his own. He awoke from his long post-accident slumber very warm and very comfortable. But as his senses realigned and his eyes came into focus, William saw right away that something was unutterably wrong. He seemed to be in a mattress on a linoleum floor. The perspective was unusual, but... Nope, there was no doubting that it was the corner of his own kitchen floor, and the mattress was Randolph's dog bed? William leapt up in shock and only shocked himself worse than ever in the effort. The jangling of the chain around his neck, the lolling feel of his own tongue hanging out of his mouth as he lurched upward, and indeed the way he sprang naturally lightly onto all fours. In one instant, the conclusion was perfectly inescapable. He was his dog Randolph. Or in his dog Randolph's body, but how? How? In that move to clutch the dog so close to himself as they entered the intersection, William must have sparked a transmigration of souls, completed when the oncoming car pinched them so close together. There was no other way to explain it. His human body was probably off at the hospital right now in a coma, and here he was, in the guise of Randolph, back at home recuperating. What about his wife Katie and his daughter Lucretia? What grief could they be going through right now, not knowing he was alive and well and needed merely to have his soul returned to the proper body? Surely there was uh, some sort of amulet or a local Buddhist sage or other convenient plot device which would solve this terrible problem. But in the meantime, what mattered was communicating to Katie and Lucretia that it was him. Their dog was him. Now a dog dad. First, he had to have an unwelcome taste of a dog's life. Literally, because for one thing, he was starving. And all there was for him was a bowl of smelly kibbles and a dish of dirty water laid beside the bed. He hemmed and hawed about this, realizing it would probably be hours before he could be restored to his proper body. And so he ate. He really ate it! He would have thought the stuff would be totally yucksville, but to his doggy palate, it really wasn't half bad. Although when William leveled with himself, he realized that this was even worse than it would have been to have eaten the stuff if he thought it was disgusting. I mean, how much more disgusting is it to like it? With an unknown amount of time on his paws to kill, waiting for Katie and Lucretia to return home as the slanting light rays through the kitchen windows grew dimmer and darker, he turned his thoughts to just how he would get his soul returned to his body. They hadn't gone to church in years, he was afraid to say. But maybe Reverend Baylor down at First Lutheran would have some experience with this kind of thing. Uh, maybe not directly, but something he could remember from seminary, perhaps? A clue? Or even a referral to a qualified shaman? Whew! Transmigration of souls! Wow! This was a thorny one! William could remember it was also called a metempsychosis. At least that's a word they drilled into his head in college when he took a seminar course on James Joyce's Ulysses. He really enjoyed that one chapter in Nausicaa, so dreamy. Snap out of it, William! How could he think about Ulysses now when he was, after all, in an alarming state of caninitude? Or, on the other hand, why not? Dogs have all day with nothing to do but sleep, eat, rut about the yard and house filthily, and to think. If William could just get his paws into all those books in the office that he bought over the years and never had the time to read, his time as a dog might be the perfect one for some good contemplation. Thus it was, 
that when Katie and Lucretia finally returned home from the hospital, they found the family dog buried knees-deep in a pile of half-chewed books he had pulled down from the shelves in the library. Oh, this is the last thing we need, Katie shouted, unceremoniously grabbing the mutt by the collar and dragging him toward the crate that was really a cage that they kept in the laundry room near the dog bed in the kitchen. And shoom, William had been tossed into the crate that was really a cage. Reflexively, he called out to her, What do you mean, Katie? Wait, I'm here! I'm William! But all that came out of him was a curious gobbledygook of whimpers and barks, noises that you would think a dog could make, but which no dog ever does. Morning. Katie appeared early to feed him, and thank God let him out of the cage. Listening to her on the phone, he learned she was calling in sick to work, with plans to visit the hospital again within a couple hours. This was perfect. He had those couple of hours now to explain to her who he was. But she surprised him. Katie hadn't smoked in ten years, but when she let him out the door to relieve himself in the yard, she lit a cigarette and stared toward the horizon. William attempted a protest. You know you shouldn't start smoking again. It's so hard for you to quit. But this, again, came out as a series of strange yips and whines that prompted his wife to snap at him to shut up before he annoyed the neighbors. This made things clear to William. He couldn't attempt to communicate vocally. Somehow, he would have to spell his message out to her. So, uh, he ran a long vertical line down the center of the yard. This was to represent the letter I. Then he sauntered to a corner, ran hard to the center rear of the yard, down to the other corner, and returned to the middle to run a line across. This was the letter A. With these few paces, William wasn't very far into his message of, I am William! But Katie was already chagrined. What the hell is wrong with you, you stupid dog? Do you think I don't have enough on my mind already? Get back in the goddamn house! Now! Now! William was only partway through his M as she hissed all this. It was demoralizing, obviously quite frustrating, but also sort of a challenge. Uh, there must be something he could do to convince her. He gave up the running and tried scratching the same message into the grass. A line for I, a pair of diagonals with a crossbar for A. Ugh. This was no use. He had to scrub up so much grass with his claws to leave a good mark that the whole thing was a sloppy slur by the time he had out a letter or two. And by then, his mistress had him by the collar again, dragging him inside and into that cage. The next days were filled with new and desperate attempts at communication, followed by stints in the cage that only increased in length. He tried spilling out his kibbles on the floor and delicately arranging them into his message. He stood alert to get attention and attempted answering questions intelligently from there, one paw scraped for yes and two for no. But it was hard leading his wife into a game of 20 questions when her first question was, do you need to go outside? And to his obvious answer of no, scrape, scrape, she simply tried to let him outside and stopped asking any more questions. William considered barking in Morse code, but he didn't know Morse code, and he was sure his wife and daughter didn't either. Meanwhile, he had to hear his wife on the phone with friends. This was excruciating. With the accounts of how his body, off in the hospital, possessed by the dog, would howl and moan, tearing at his bedsheets whenever he was insufficiently sedated. And then there was the time his body had tried to hump Katie's leg during a visit. But that wasn't even the worst. The worst was when Katie said, as inattentive as William can be, way the last few years have been, him never listening to me. At this point, I sometimes think we could use the insurance payout more than we could use him getting better. Finally, William realized that what he needed was a Ouija board. Not for mystical purposes, but just so he could hit the letters with his paw and talk to his wife. They had a Ouija board in the house, but it was in Lucretia's bedroom. 
with some other board games on a shelf above her bed. And her bedroom door had been left closed all week, given the dog's strange new behavior. Well, when Lucretia left the room one evening to use the bathroom, William spotted his chance. He darted into her room, leapt on the bed, and began hurling himself up the wall to paw at the shelf in an effort to bring down that Ouija board. This furious activity had not gone on long when Lucretia reappeared. What are you doing, Randolph? She cried, running to him to stop all this leaping. She reached him just as the shelf toppled, bringing down all those board games, five dolls, a bin of Legos, and a dainty clock, which came down directly onto Lucretia's forehead and opened a flowing gash above her right eye. The next day, William was taken to the pound, where he was adopted by a wonderful family who relocated him to a farm out in the countryside where he was free to play all day long. The end. Thank <laughs> you.